Run it back. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have Wi-Fi in our house, but I'm about the furthest room from the router. So oh. my Wi-Fi is very shoddy. Gotcha. And I've made the conscious decision that if I go over on data, this is a good way to spend it. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to do the intro again. But welcome okay. to the Moiba podcast, also known as the Mrs. Obama It's Been an Honor podcast. And this is one of our filler episodes to keep the content going. But we couldn't get all five guys together. So today I'm joined by my guest and dear friend, Cooper Sadowski. Say what's up to the people, Cooper. How you doing? Uh, Cooper's a big Notre Dame fan, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with Notre Dame, bowl stuff, and maybe a little bit about personal life and how everything's going. Um, Cooper, you can give us a little introduction about who you are, though, and for the people. Uh, best description is a uh, sad Notre Dame fan, as you already pointed out, but, uh, you know, just a college student at Toledo. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the school up north. Of know? course. <laughs> Relative to BG, yes. of course. But yeah. Um, so I guess we'll jump right into the Notre Dame game, if there's nothing else really to say. Uh, for anyone who didn't watch the game, Notre Dame got throttled. The scoreboard was – it could have been more of a throttling. Yeah. But it was just like no one – by the fourth quarter, the game was over, and no one really was – we were just playing to play. Yep. Uh, I, at one point, it was so bad, I thought Brandon Wimbush might have come into the game. I, You know, I'm surprised he didn't. I mean, Kelly's got that short leash. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think uh, there was more complete – or actually there was more times where they said on ESPN that Brian Kelly's calm this year than completions by Ian Book. <laughs> they mentioned that he was calm like eight times. They're like, you know, this is a zen-like state for uh, Brian oh, yeah. Kelly. And He's I'm not like, happy about that call, but he is staying calm on the sideline. Don't you worry. He will worry. not say anything about it. This is the new Brian Kelly. I got to <laughs> – and they kept talking about I, – I, there's nothing I hate more than that little interview they do before they go into halftime. Oh, yeah. With, that is just, like, so annoying. And it's like – like, the one with Sabin the other day was like, what happened on that last drive? And he was like, uh, we got, like, three penalties. Yeah, I we got beat. Said. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> we played bad. Here's the thing. Calm Brian Kelly loses 30-3 to to Clemson. And uh, not calm Brian Kelly loses 42-14 to to Alabama. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. pick your poison. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's break down. I'll break down the scoring per quarter. Uh, Notre Dame three, uh, Clemson three after the first. After the second, it was twenty three to three. Third quarter, it was thirty to three, and then the fourth quarter was the same. So, where did you think the wheels started to fall off for Notre Dame? So I found this tweet. It wasn't me who came up with this, but I mean, it felt right. So Notre Dame. Uh, about late in the first quarter, all of a sudden, you start realizing that our best player, just like every other big game, is no longer on the field. Uh, Julian loves his name. He's the first, of course, he's oh. the first Notre Dame player since 2003, or defensive back, to be an All-American. He was a consensus first-team All-American. So he goes out of the game, and uh, when he's out for five series, Trevor Lawrence in the five series without him, in 15 of 18 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. Okay, yeah. Lawrence, when uh, he's in, the six series love is in, he's 12 for 19 with 80 yards, no touchdowns. So I'm not sitting here acting like we wouldn't have, we would have won the game if he doesn't get hurt, but the wheels really start yeah. falling off when you have a freshman cornerback trying to guard Justin Ross, and he's just absolutely torching us. Yeah, so, I mean, the big thing you look at there is the yards per reception, because he was still as effective. I mean, percentage-wise, he was still 12 of 18, I think he said, but or whatever – but he's only getting 80 yards, you know? Exactly. And the other yeah. stat, he had roughly a little bit more completions, but a lot more yards from it. So exactly. Love kind of gives you the deep ball protection. Here's, but... I mean, here's the thing about college football right now. Clemson has the depth that if they lose Dexter Lawrence to a drug suspension, they're <laughs> fine. The problem is Notre Dame has, Notre Dame can't recruit the way Clemson does, and they lose their best defensive player, and all hell breaks loose. So yeah, it, I, it was. So I semi follow college football to an extent, and mm-hmm. has it? I think someone I saw a tweet. Has it been Clemson and Alabama the past four years? Uh, it was Clemson Georgia last year, but they oh. also but they played. It was Clemson and Alabama in the semifinal. Oh yeah. Oh okay. So who was? Oh, their quarterback was Bryant last year. Who was that? Who it was Kelly Bryant was last year. Yeah. They yeah. got beat. They got beat pretty bad by Alabama in the semis. Yeah, 
was it? It wasn't a shutout, was it? I don't think it was a shutout. I don't. Um, I don't. I don't think it was a shutout, but no, it definitely but, wasn't great. Yeah. So I think one of the other things too, uh, rushing yards. So we have Dexter Williams, sixteen attempts with fifty-four yards, and that first drive. It seemed like he could do whatever he wanted. He had about three or four runs of like eight to six yards, I'd say, somewhere oh, yeah. in that range. And it was like, we need to be feeding him with some occasional throws from Book. Oh, yeah. um, and it seemed like I didn't, like I said, like I said, about at halftime, I couldn't watch anymore. And I went upstairs and I played Xbox. Yeah, it's so, smart. Yeah, I was, because if anyone out there is like, what, te- what team are you doing? I'm a die easy Notre Dame fan. So. <laughs> I'm not that hardcore in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, from Jacoby. From I mean, Jacoby. Dexter. I mean, in my opinion, he's our best offensive player, and you got to find a way to give him the ball. Yeah. The, the problem is, like I said, Clemson's defensive line is like an NFL defensive line, <laughs> so you're not going to run on him all day. But we didn't. I mean, we threw like one screen pass. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I if. The coaching was terrible. The play calling was terrible. Yeah, you don't I run these deep routes. It's just. Yeah. I think I don't think the safeties, the corners, the whole secondary was the problem, because I think the problem is the quarterback was getting pressured, and that's why he had, a lot of his completions weren't there. I think Ian Book did as best as he could, but I don't know how many sacks they had. But I can only imagine. Actually, I do check right here. Uh. We had six. Uh, six. Six sacks yeah. for twenty one yard or twenty six yards of loss. So yeah. you just get pressured all night. And Notre Dame traditionally has a pretty good old line, but I think Clemson and Alabama are just in a league of their own at this point. Exactly. And it's just I mean, a team like Notre Dame with the way they recruit can't afford to lose a guy like that. And if you're gonna play a team like Clemson, you need to execute, you need luck. And yeah. I'll tell you this, Notre Dame definitely didn't execute. I'm not acting like if they had luck, they would have won because they looked atrocious. But <laughs> yeah, you sure. look at the luck, every 50-50, that stupid tip pass at the end of the first half goes to Clemson. Yeah. The the call with the ball being supposedly out on the kickoff goes to Clemson. The fumble, I mean, yeah, just felt like everything. Got yeah. no luck. And then Love gets hurt. And then Aquaras, who's like one of our best pass rushers, get hurt. And then our starting safety's out for – a couple plays and doesn't look the same the rest of the game. It's just, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but if you need to have any chance, you got to have some luck. And we definitely did not have that on our side. Yeah. I will say though, I've been hearing a lot of flack though. Ohio state fans have been given Notre Dame about how they should have been in. And honestly, this is my thing. If if Ohio state would have played like they did the last two games of the year for the entire year, without a doubt, stick them in. Oh, 100%. But but before that Michigan game, they were abysmal. Like, oh, awful. Even, like, even OSU fans were saying on Twitter and all the forms of social media, like, probably even Herb Street would have admitted it, even though he's pretty not very biased. Yeah, I, he's, I, not th- he's not bad. But I think they would have even admitted to that Michigan was probably going to win that game. I mean, that was – they were – Michigan was playing as hot as they could, and Ohio State was as playing as bad as they were, I think, in their Meyer era. As oh, I agree. And – and you hear the, well, Haskins, the best quarterback they've got. Look at the stats. They throw the ball like 80 times a game. Like, oh, I, like You've got to go through like a Clayton Kershaw <laughs> pitching rehab after the games. Yeah. So, I mean, here's my problem. Ohio, Ohio State obviously looked like one of the better, better four teams at the end of the year. Like you said, yeah. the Michigan game. But I go through their games. First of all, it all starts with losing by 29 to Purdue. I mean, yeah, Purdue I think – I think if you lose by maybe seven, you probably might get in still. Who, and who did then, Purdue just get beat by bad? They just got beat by oh, bad. They, they lost to Auburn by I, – I mean, <sighs> if you could score 1,000 in football, Auburn would have scored 1,000. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> I tuned into it, and I was like, 49 nothing. I'm like, okay, well, the game's going to end. Oh, no, it's not even halftime? Oh, it was ridiculous. It was so Is bad. Charles Barkley out there? <laughs> I mean, you look at Ohio State. They – Follow that up with a 36-31 win against four and eight Nebraska. They're losing half the game. Then they go to then they play Maryland and they God knows how the Maryland quarterback doesn't know how to throw a football in the yeah. overtime play. And they sh- they should have lost that game. They Indiana played them tight. I mean, they just didn't they didn't look like a top four team until the last two games of the year. And I'm sorry yeah. it's too little, too late. And I like Ohio State. I'm I actually cheer for Ohio State, 
yeah. if you watch them before the last two games, they just didn't look like a top four team. And it, it it's a twelve game season, not a two game season. Yeah, I and I and I really feel bad for Georgia because I think Georgia definitely was top four talented teams by far. And like I think I would have put them at three if there was no records. Just looking at how good they were for oh, yeah. Georgia would have been three. I don't know. I think that Georgia Clemson game would have been a good game. But yeah. they give they the problem is you give Alabama a run for their money and you just choke. Yep. Like like you had them at twenty eight seven or twenty eight nothing. I can't even like like you just cannot blow that kind of game. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I will sit here and tell you Georgia is more talented, probably better than Notre Dame is. But yeah, Notre, Notre Dame did everything they were supposed to and deserved to get in. I mean. George is almost the same story as Ohio State. You look at them, they lost to LSU by like 30 at the beginning yeah, of the LSU year. Yeah, LSU wasn't I mean, even good. I mean, like, George is good, but. George is as talented as Alabama. We all watched it happen. How do you mm-hmm. lose 36 16 to LSU? I mean, yeah. You, you just have to, these, it's Ohio State and Georgia, you just have to show up and you'll get in. They just, you, can't, you can't lose by 20 plus points. That's, that's why they good, don't get in. But. That's a good point. I want to go back to your point, too, about how uh, Love left the game and uh, all kind of the wheels started turning for Clemson offensively at that point. Very similar situation a couple of years ago when Notre Dame played uh, OSU and he lost Jalen Smith in the first quarter. And OSU fans were saying about how easy Notre Dame defense was. And it was like, listen, this guy was going to be the number one overall pick maybe. Of course he's going oh, to yeah. make a difference when he's not on the field. I mean, and we don't, we don't have – the thing with Notre Dame is we don't have the Alabama five stars in every single position. No, we don't have so the when depth. We have, when we have our one or two five stars, like our Manti Teos, our Jalen Smiths of the world, like we need them in the worst way. And exactly. he goes out with a gruesome leg injury. The next thing you know, our defense, oh, this freshman linebacker's in or this yeah. random sophomore linebacker who's seen five plays against UCF. Or not UCF, like, <laughs> US, like some really crappy team. Yeah. I forgot they're kind of good. But, uh, like, you just – it's not as, it's not as easy for Notre Dame to get the recruits that OSU, Clemson, Alabama can get. So, it's not like a – oh. Like, just – I always think about this. OSU at one point had JT Barrett, Braxton Miller, and whatever that dude, the last dude, the chubby guy, Cardale. Cardale, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like, they had three elite quarterbacks lined up. Like, the one oh, yeah. got hurt. So, JT comes in. He gets hurt. Oh, just bring in Cardale. And he wins a national championship. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, are you kidding me? Like, if Notre Dame would have brought their third string quarterback in, it would have been like Tommy Reese, Smith, Jimmy <laughs> I mean, like, like you say, the problem is it's hard to recruit Notre Dame, and I'm not going to get into that. But we don't have more than just not getting the five stars. We don't have the depth. I mean, yeah, Clemson lost their best defensive player, and it looked <laughs> it looked like nothing happened. Notre Dame yeah. loses their best defensive player, and we're screwed. But I mean, they have the they have the first team talent with everybody else. But once you get, get into the second team, it gets a little hairy. I mean, yeah. you, like you said about the Ohio State game, you look at Jalen Smith. He's playing for the Cowboys right now. He's having like a crazy good year. Yeah, I mean that that might be the best player to ever go through Notre Dame, most talented player. And not only Jalen Smith, that whole defense was decimated with injuries by the time that game hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. And, the, and this is the big thing with the OSU fans. They're like, "Well, we lost Joey Bosa," and it's like. Yeah, but you have Joey Bosa, just a backup version of him, on the bench exactly. waiting to come in the game. And it's exactly. like, we lost Jalen Smith, and gosh darn, Joe Smith comes in the game. <laughs> Joe Smith is a legend. That's actually his name. Yeah. That's actually his name. That's actually right. his name. He's not just, not just, not just something you made up. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think it's it's just a testament to, like, Notre Dame has their talent right away. But, like, if you can – not to, that sounds terrible, but if you can get the luck of an injury – Notre Dame's defense extremely quickly drops off. Oh, yeah. And you look at how bad Notre Dame's offense was before we had Dexter Williams yeah. in the first four games of the year. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, we are, we're one deep at every position. And it's a yeah. good one. It's a good one. But For example, Boykin? Like, I'll tell you what. I don't even know who impacts the game besides Boykin as a receiver. Like, the one dude, Mac, had a wide – was it? no, it was Claypool. Claypool, Claypool yeah. had that first down catch and, like, the easiest pass ever. And I, if, he, if he would have dropped that at Saban, Saban would have transferred him. I don't even know if that's possible, but he would have traded him. He would have forced him out. Yeah. yeah. The fact that a, a walk-on 
Chris Fink is your second best reliable target. I mean, yeah, what is that? That's not good. It, it's just that's not good. Yeah, but uh, I think that I think you, I think going back to the beginning, we were talking about the line. I think we got through them the first couple of times, and they kind of adjusted to Williams. I think that's when you attack the kind of the throwing game, but the line was just so overwhelming that they literally just couldn't get passes off because. Ian Book is not one of those guys where it's like like Kyler Murray where the offense depends on him. Like he just does his job and he and he moves on. He's like a kind of like a role player. Yeah, they the call offense. him the point guard. He just throws it to everybody else and lets them work. Yeah, because yeah. like he's not trying to make overly complicated throws, and that's not the problem. The problem was the pressure from the the D line that was getting to him. Yep, and they, mean, again. It's just the the scheme was terrible. I mean, if if you know the defensive line is going to be in the backfield in three seconds, then maybe you have someone running underneath route. They're running you play college fo- like college football on Xbox. Yeah. They're running four verts every time. What do you, what's that going to do for you? Yeah, you got to adjust. You got to yeah. adjust to it. You oh yeah, and that's that's what I've noticed over the years. Kelly, as much as I think he's a pretty good coach, he is the stubbornest coach I have but, seen in a while. Well, you saw him after. The, I mean, he looked. He looked like he quit after halftime. Like he looked yeah. like he was just done. Like he was like, you okay, this game's boy. over. You seen the water boy when the coach is like hiding in the locker yeah. during halftime? <laughs> if he could, he would. He, he would have done that. He was like so pissed off, just standing on the side, arms crossed, not saying a word. Just like, oh, this game's over. I'm just trying to get home quicker for dinner. I don't know what. <laughs> uh, he was so out of it. Yeah, I think, I and mean, I think he is a good coach. I mean, especially when he first came there, I was like, dude, we get the coach from Cincinnati. And Cincinnati that year was putting up like 100 points a game. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And we have the worst defensive coordinator in Van Gordon or whatever. <laughs> Van Gordon. Yeah. yeah. He's here, so we're, we'll be okay. And um, I just think, I think he gets good talent. He gets like Everett, the Everett Golsons of the world, the Brandon Wimbushes of the world. And I don't know if he's just – they're not the right guys for a system. I don't know if he doesn't utilize them right. He makes the wrong play calls. But these guys don't seem as effective when they get to the team. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's certain guys who like, – Julian Love is our best player. He was a three-star recruit. So it's I, – I often used to say that he doesn't develop. I don't know if it's that. He, like, selectively develops. Like, these guys who are supposed to be good always end up stinking – yeah, like half these guys, Brandon Wimbush literally looked like he didn't know how to throw a football, and he was like a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. Yeah. So I mean, I like, I, I actually like Kelly. I don't think you're gonna get anybody better. No. And no. It, as a Notre Dame fan, it, I mean, right now it's hard to say, but I guarantee you, in a month, I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm happy that we got to a playoff. It's that's hard to do. I mean, and yeah. you look at the rest. You look at the rest of these playoff semifinals in the past years. I think ESPN said yesterday that seven of the nine. Well, now it would be eight of the ten with the Oklahoma game have been double digit games. So yeah. thirty to three is not even close. Don't get me wrong. Like that's not the same as Oklahoma losing by what thirteen. Yeah. But but eight out of ten have been double digit games, and then they said four out of ten have been by more than three scores. So I mean. Yeah, I think I think this really does show the problem though with college football playoff. Everybody's saying I want the eight I want the eight people draft or the eight team draft, not the draft, the eight team play- playoff. playoff where, yeah. So okay, it's like the NBA playoffs. Oh, you want the eight team playoff just so you want the sixteen team playoff just so we can see the Warriors and the Cavs. I'm like, yeah. like it's just this elaborate system to get more college football out of the same result. Every putting, once in a while. You know, every once in a while, you'll probably see somebody up. If you go, if we moved, I think we're going to end up moving to eight just because so many people want yeah, it. I'm, I for the record, so. I don't like it. But yeah. I, I, maybe like every once in a while, I mean, UMBC just beat Virginia, right? Every yeah. once in a while, the, the cards are going to line. Someone's going to beat the other team. But is that really what we want? The whole point no. of college football is get the best two teams to play each other at the end. I watched that game yesterday. Guess what? Notre Dame's not one of the best two teams. So I'm, you know, yeah. as much as it hurts to say, I'm fine with them not being in the championship. The system worked out fine. And what's yeah. it looks like right now? What's going to keep happening is it's either going to be Georgia, Alabama, or Clemson every year for yeah. the next. I mean, that's what it feels like. But yeah, and it kind of I like to relate everything to the NBA because I can understand the NBA a little better. Yeah, and you have the Warriors, and you have a dynasty where it's different from NCAA because these guys just keep coming in. Like 
Jalen Hurts was unbelievable. Oh, and yeah. then oh he goes down. Look at this dude. This dude's even better. Two attack of yeah. Loa. Of course she is. It's he Alabama. goes out. Oh wait, we got that other dude that was good last year for us. Pick him back up, and he brings us back. Like I mean, it's just crazy. And in the NBA, and the thing is, those guys just keep coming and replacing. It's just a system. In the NBA, once like Curry's thirty-five and Clay's thirty-four, and Durant's done with the Warriors, like the team might not be as good. Like, and now you got to look somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be like random teams like the Suns might be good eventually and mm-hmm. that's why that's like the the point of the NBA draft and the the lottery you, the first the, I, I think this is the most ideal setup for the NBA you have the winner the, the winner of the finals in like five years should be on the decline and then another five years should suck and the teams in theory that were sucking when the Warriors were good in five years should be competing for the yep. championship and it's supposed to be this continuous cycle but with the problem with college football, and I don't know if it's a problem or not, depending on what fan you are, but you just have a system where you just keep replacing talent after talent after talent. Yep. And yep. it's the same thing's happening at Duke. Every single year, Duke oh, basketball yeah. is getting top three well, kicks. The glory of – the the thing about college basketball is Duke can get these top five picks, and then it's a single elimination tournament. So all of a sudden, R.J. Bear doesn't shoot well and they lose, which is stupid, but it's also yeah. kind of awesome. The college football doesn't have that luxury. You have to win two games. You know yeah. what I mean? And, I mean, the best example is Kyler Murray is a freak of nature. Like, he's yeah, the greatest he's really athlete I've ever seen. And they're down, what, 28 nothing? Yeah. Like, it wasn't even close. I mean, the final score looked closer and they came back a little bit. But, I mean, it literally wasn't a contest in the first, like, five minutes of the game. Yeah, no. And – I, I, I was I was impressed. I hadn't really watched a lot of college football this year, especially Oklahoma. How fast he was, man! Oh yeah. As, as he gets out of the pocket, he is so fast. Those little legs move quick. It's, yeah. He's fun. He's fun to watch. Yeah. There was a play where he got hit. I don't know if it was a late hit or not. I don't think it was. And I think the old lineman kind of overreacted to it and started shoving number ninety-two. I think it was Williams. Was oh yeah, they got there? chippy. Yeah, and they were like. And I was thinking all the athletics people are like, are you kidding me? This team is the last <laughs> I know. That's, that's what I Well, the first, the first possession he got, like, just – he was running for his life. Yeah. And I looked over at my dad I was watching with, and I was like, you think the Oakland A's execs are happy with this? They're biting their nails yeah. off watching this game. Yeah. All right. So I think I also have right here um, – I have the drives for the Notre Dame. Um, so kickoff, punt, kickoff, punt, kickoff, punt, field goal, kickoff, kickoff, punt, punt, kickoff, punt, fumble, punt, fumble, field goal, uh, turnover on downs, punt, 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 half, punt, interception, punt, punt, punt. <laughs> like, it's just, there was, but the crazy thing, only one three and out. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's <laughs> I, just. I was watching that uh, Oklahoma game, and they could literally not get them to get like to fourth down. They could Alabama could not get them to get the fourth down every no. single time. It was third down. Kyler Murray throw a thirteen yard pass. Oh yeah, or scramble for fifteen. And I'm yep. like, this is just the most infuriating thing if you're an Alabama fan because <laughs> like this game should be like fifty to nothing, and oh, they just yeah. keep letting them hang in. I mean. The MVP for Notre Dame was the punter, Tyler Newsom. He's the only one who had a good game because he was on the field 17 times. <laughs> did, you, did you see his hair? His hair is oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, awesome. he is stuck in the 80s, but it's awesome at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's like, let's focus on Clemson here. Um, their quarterback, this dude, T. Lawrence. I can't, Tyler Lawrence? What's his name? Trevor. Trevor. Trevor Lawrence. Um, he played unbelievable. He, in the first two drives, we really got pressure to him. And he was really not doing well because with the love, with love covering the best receivers and being able to like affect the secondary, and then the rush would just get to him. By the time it got to him, nothing was open. I thought we were gonna have him all night, and then literally after that play on the kickoff where we had the ball and then it got it got out of bounds. It looked, like, yeah. it looked like he turned into the the next coming of Patrick Mahomes, like yeah, okay, running and throwing, and that was crazy. I mean. We supposedly had a great defense. I th- I thought our defense was pretty dang good. Yeah. I mean, we gave up – we averaged like 17 points a game giving up. That's pretty dang good. That's one of the best scoring defenses in the country. And S&P, which is like the efficiency ratings, has like six. 
Yeah. He's a he's a freshman and he almost threw for 70% completion percentage. 327 yards, three intercep- three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean he he it does not look like the stage phases him ever. Yeah, I mean I think I, I don't understand that either because I was thinking this guy's literally like in the same position I'm in in college. Oh yeah, yeah he's the same age as me, and you're just waiting for him to be a freshman, and he won't. He, he would not be a freshman. It was yeah. just frustrating as a Notre Dame fan. You're like, he'll throw a pick eventually, right? Like he's a freshman. Like he'll. Yeah. He, I mean, he just he wouldn't. He was so composed. I think he got a lot off of, to Clemson. He got a lot of help though from Etn or whatever his name is. Yeah. Which first of all, I couldn't tell if that was like. One of those things where it was like RG three. I, I I didn't know if his first name was like Edward and his last name was Thomas, and like Thomas, I don't Thomas Nathan middle, or something. Like, yeah, his middle like name Edward is, Thomas yeah. Nathan, one of those hyphen. Yeah, E T N. Yeah. And then I like I saw his back and the jersey. And I'm like, oh, it's E T N, like a full yeah. last name, like some French last name. Okay, but yeah. he looked like he was unstoppable. And then the receiver. Yeah, Ross. That was dude. Ross. He wasn't even their best receiver from what I um, had heard from the scouting. No, board. he was not. But he lit us up. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the major issue was the freshman cornerback. The replacement was on him. And yeah. credit to Clemson, they knew it, and they just kept throwing at him and kept throwing at him, and he yeah. could not stop it. So, yeah, that I will say that catch that he had in the end zone where he tipped it to himself, or was that? Oh, that was ridiculous. I think oh, it was okay. Higgins who had that one. That was, was it? Was it him? I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, no, I don't think so because that one says it was twenty-four yards. His longest was twenty-four. I had open Ross because the Ross's longest was fifty-two, and I think that was yeah. a deep bomb. That yeah, Ross it. That was the that was the first touchdown they scored, I think. Yeah, and that was that goes back to the idea of Notre Dame uncharacteristically gives up long, does not give up long balls. Yeah, so, like like yeah, like I said, you take out that big cog in the secondary for Notre Dame, they can't replace it, and all of a sudden, I mean, there's nothing we can do. Just look like a bunch of high schoolers out there trying to defend. Yeah, and college players. I love how people just overreact to everything. And the next big idea is: should Notre Dame be allowed to play in bowls after this performance? And they're like, "Well, you know, back to 2000, they haven't won a single BCS game." And it was like, "Really? You're gonna go back to 2000 for that?" Yeah, that's such I an mean... irrelevant stat. Like, you're gonna go back to when Brady Quinn was our quarterback to compare that to now? That's just not comparable to. Today's and that's what Brian Kelly said, even to the 2012 bull. Yeah, he was like, "That's a completely different team, completely different mindset." He had it was his like third year there, maybe. This is mm-hmm. he hadn't even gotten all those people in. Those were no. still some Charlie Weiss stragglers. And yeah, how Alex, the heck we got to 12 and 0 with those players? I yeah, no that idea. was that was by far one of the luckiest things I've ever seen. Oh yeah, that was that was lucky game after lucky game. It was like the greatest year of my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm but, looking at the Notre Dame defense right now, and it says we have a dude named Tagovailoa as well. It's his cousin. No way. Yeah, they're cousins. That's... So they had some special on it during <laughs> – you know, they couldn't talk about the Admiral's son this oh, year. Oh, God, So yeah. they talked about – but he was hurt He was hurt for a lot of the years, so they talked about him a little bit. But, yeah, he's, he's Tua's cousin. Obviously, doesn't so says... get as much of the spotlight. <laughs> it says Tagovailoa. Dash Amos. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's just like his parents or yeah, I don't have the hyphenated last name or what it is. But yeah, I don't understand that. Oh, they're co- oh, they're cousins. That makes sense. I was gonna say I thought I thought you said brother at first. Oh no! So yeah. I was thinking that I'm like, why would you have a different? But no, that makes sense if it's hyphenated. I could definitely see it for a cousin. Um, yeah. I really don't know how much more we have to talk about this game. Uh, there's a good picture here. I don't know. Are you also on onefootdown.com? I often look at that. I can't. Oh, the the I just looked up Notre Dame stats because I wanted to have this for the thing, for the pod. And the picture they have is Dabo Sweeney getting the Gatorade bath while he's shaking hands with Brian Kelly. And <laughs> Brian Kelly doesn't look any funnier in this picture. I saw that coming live. I said, watch out, Brian Kelly. Yeah. I mean, can, you, can you think of a worst way to like rub it in? Like You yeah. just got absolutely pounded. And then yeah. you're going to shake the coach's hand and they throw the Gatorade on you. Like, oh, my God. Also, I think my new favorite uh, position to be in the world is the sheriff who comes out to oversee the handshake. <laughs> I want to be that state officer, sheriff, whatever that is. Like, that's, one, that's like my new goal. This be like, I'm down. I'm oh. between that and the guy who holds Harbaugh's cords because he refuses to use a wireless headset. 
He does? Oh, yeah. He has a guy who stands there and holds this huge wad of, like, wires because he refuses to use a wireless headset because he thinks people would be able to, quote-unquote, tap. tap into his oh, calls. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, hey, Bill Belichick ain't in college football, all right? I think you're fine. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. If you're in the NFL, <laughs> I bet you that's what his, like, brother was like, hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you something. I'm a Baltimore coach. I'm, I play this guy every once in a while. Do not use wireless. Uh, all right. Um, I, I don't know if you want to talk about the ND football game anymore. If you want to move on, you can. We could talk about NBA or the Oklahoma game. I am fine not thinking about that game until – I am on my deathbed, so if you want to move on, that works for me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move to. Um, I guess. I guess we can. You could say you're a Pistons fan. You don't. You don't really I am a your, Pistons fan. You don't really have any deep down association with any other team, so we'll say you're a Pistons fan. So, I've never thrown my remote through a TV for a loss by them, but I. I am definitely a Pistons fan. You, well, you have to do it at least once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so today. I decided to spend my Sunday, and we're recording this on Sunday, the 30th of December, a.k.a. LeBron's birthday. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I watched the 3.30 p.m. game in Orlando of the Pistons versus the Orlando Magic. Um, that will be two hours that I can never get back. <laughs> uh, so the game started off, and the Pistons made a layup and a three, and we were up 5 nothing. Oh, uh, we made a, and then I think we got foul. We made a free throw, and then the Magic went on like an eighteen nothing run, shocking, <laughs> requiring yeah. two timeouts to regather the team. <laughs> um, and then after that, it was just annoying game of does Drummond actually care about basketball? Does Reggie Jackson have a brain? Why are we playing Stanley Jackson? <laughs> Johnson? <laughs> and the list can just go on and on. I didn't really get to talk about how much I just cannot stand the Pistons in the first podcast, but I'm going to go full in on this episode. So <laughs> anyone who likes to hear me get riled up, this is your opportunity to hear me. So I'm going to go in on my Reddit experience. I went in on Stanley Johnson on a Reddit, and I haven't been getting the support on it that I thought I would. Very. I sad. am so with you. I am so um, with you. So I I think you might have been with me, Cooper, when the draft happened in 2015. I was indeed at the same table, and I remember the seventh pick was the Nuggets, and I thought they don't need a small forward, and they picked Emmanuel Mudiay, and I was very excited because that means we were going to get Justice Winslow, who I loosely follow Duke because I like to watch a lot of the NBA players, so they usually mm-hmm. come from there. So I was like, oh, this guy's going to be good in the NBA, good solid defender, good shooter eventually maybe good driver passer so i was like this guy's i I need this guy he's a great guy for the pistons and of course we take stanley johnson just the most uh, unbasketball talented person i've ever seen he has to has to have the lowest basketball iq i've ever seen on the basketball floor we'll, we'll go over this last play of the game right now so after after going through stanley johnson's career he has not impressed me he shoots abysmally low from the field. I checked this year, and he is shooting 39% from the field and 27% from three. Um, he gets 22 minutes a night, mind you, scores eight points, four rebounds, uh, one assist. He's not good by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, according to basketball references, nickname is Showtime. That could be not any further from the truth. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, so – First season, we're in the playoffs, and we go up against LeBron, and he D's him off. And I'm like, this is great. I finally get to see what this guy has come into. And then the next – and he does good, and we lose. The next three seasons just continues to get worse and worse at the game of basketball. Let me, let's, let's go by three-point percentage to show how he got worse. First year in the league, three-point percentage, 30.7. Next year, 29.2. Next year, 28.6. This year, 27.9. Uh, field goal percentage, 37, 35, 37. He's shooting 39 this year. But wow. That's not good. Um, no. Okay. And then fast forward to today's game. The game is tied 107-107 with the Orlando. Oh, Magic, God. I saw this. Which this is, is not good. So no. they, they do the play, and everybody runs around like the chickens with their head cut off. And, <laughs> and Evan Fournier gets the ball about 35 feet away from the hoop with literally no intention to score the ball. He caught it. 
facing half court, basically. And what is Stanley Johnson trying to do? Tries to steal the ball. <laughs> like, this guy is not going to hurt you. He's so far away from the hoop. Just, you don't have to do anything except let him catch the ball and play straight up defense. So he tries to go for the steal. A. Doesn't recover. B. And then kind of just doesn't hustle to get back. Like, he doesn't even try to pick up someone else's man. There's only two seconds, by the way. So oh, you what? only have to defend for two seconds. And he goes right by him, and he gets a free-throw line floater. And Drummond stepped up. I thought I was surprised that Drummond stepped up. I thought Drummond had <laughs> given up on the team. So he shoots a floater, and, of course, it goes in. And, like, I just don't understand, like, at what point did Stanley Johnson think trying to steal the ball was the right move there? I don't – I don't. you're a four-year NBA vet, and, and you're going to say, well, it's a lot different in that situation than you just sit on the couch. And I'm like, well, you know what? He's an NBA player, and the fact that I could point that out from my couch proves that you don't know anything. Well, there's a reason I'm pretty sure that this is the first time all year I've heard oh, of Fournier's name being mentioned. If yeah. you're Stanley Johnson, how – make him shoot the three. Yeah, also – Are you really going to let him drive the lane? I mean, the, he's <sighs> – like he looks like he's forty eight years old. He's bald. The guy, I mean, this dude looks nothing like. I mean, Manu Ginobili is the only other guy who looks like this who can actually play basketball. Yeah, Evan Fournier. Also, think about this: you got beat off the dribble by Evan Fournier, oh my a thirty year old Frenchman, and you are way more athletic than him, and you let him beat you off the dribble without any like without anything to do. About getting in his way, they just didn't care. I think I love the I like about four or five guys on the Pistons team right now. I think I'm gonna say this. This will be my bold outlandish claim, which is one of our segments on this podcast. So outlandish claim. Uh, it could be about anything, pop culture, music, sports. It just gotta be something completely out of left field that you believe to be true. Here's my outlandish claim: Donovan Mitchell was not the was is not as good as Luke Kennard. Gonna throw it out. Wow. All right. I would rather have Luke Kennard than I would have Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is a glorified Monte Ellis who just shoots inefficiently from the field and doesn't really make anyone better. After after watching Luke Kennard today make countless mid-range jumpers, countless threes, and set people up and play defense, I've come to the conclusion I like Luke Kennard more than Monte Ellis. And I, I, I like him. I like Bullock. Dr- or not Drummond. Uh, Blake Griffin has been a very, like, caring like it seems like he cares when he's on the court i respect that um and ish smith and jose Calderon. those are my five guys and zaza on some days zaza on some days yeah i mean canard's got a nice touch and i like watching him i i didn't think he's gonna be able to create his shot his own shot as easily as he has yeah this year in the nba he led the team in scoring today did did he really he led the team in scoring yeah, I mean, it was pretty balanced. He had 16, Blake had 15, Bullock had 15, Drummond had 14. But, I mean, okay. Kennard had 16. Yeah, I think he really excels at the pick and roll. Which they don't give him the ball enough to. He gets on that pick and roll, and he can, like, pull up, and he can do a lot of other stuff. And I feel like because Ish Smith demands the ball a lot, and Randy Jackson, who, if he could own the ball, he would basically own it. <laughs> uh, he holds on to the ball so much. He takes so much air out of the ball that they personally have to pump it up between timeouts, as, according to NBA.com. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he also makes the clutch shot every once in a while. I, I, I always go back and forth on him. He, he does. He pounds the ball. The only other – I mean, at least when James Harden pounds the ball, he scores. I mean, <laughs> That's exactly like, it. That's exactly yeah. it. So, I – I go back and forth. He's a he's a good player, but oh, sometimes I wouldn't go that far. Is... You don't have to. Jackson doesn't listen to this. I'm not going to hold any regard. Reed Jackson can come to Defiance, Ohio, if he wants to, and talk about it. I'll show him how to pass the ball. Ray Jackson. Ray Jackson is the typical case of seeing the pass one second too late every single time. Guy yeah. gets back door, and then he sees him, and I don't know if there's a delay with sending the information from his eyes to his brain and back to his <laughs> eyes and to his muscles. Or what's the idea there? I don't know if, like, he just, like, takes some form of narcotics to where he's out of the game mentally, but he just literally can't focus enough to be able to make a pass when someone cuts back door or when someone comes off a screen. It's always a bad pass. And 
last year when they didn't have Blake and they had Drummond, they did a lot of this where he didn't have the ball and he was moving off ball and he was really mm-hmm. effective. I appreciated that. But now that Blake kind of stagnates sometimes, which he, I, I gave him a permission to because he is so talented and he does a lot of the scoring load, that results in Reggie Jackson being ineffective. Yep. I think I – do you? I gotta ask you. Do you like Blake Griffin on this team? Because I do. I like Blake Griffin a lot on this team. I, I, I like you said. I think he plays hard. And I like. He, he just seems to always for being the best player, well, one of the better players in the team. He just seems to hustle more than everyone else, which is refreshing. Yeah, and also, well, I, I would say he hustles occasionally. Uh, depending. Yeah, he does. He does. I'll give him that. He does. I think his thing too is he. He was talking about how like. Um, some of the team interviews he had and team meetings he had with his team before, like especially in LA, weren't as productive. And he talked about how this team really does want to do good. And they really do want to strive to be better. And they're not like the Wizards they, where they're just – they have talent, but the, the team just doesn't care at all. Yep. They really do want to be good, and they want to make these steps. And Casey is the head of that whole thing. Casey really is a player-oriented uh, coach from what I've heard from the league. Yeah. People. And I think Blake really puts forth effort to kind of unify this team. Because, honestly, I thought he was going to come here and be like, boo-hoo, I'm in Detroit. I'm not in L.A. anymore. But he hasn't been like that. It's surprising to me. And I think that – I think that he – I think at times he's become passive in the past couple of games. But usually he has the right amount of assertiveness where it's like he knows when he needs to get his shot – and when he needs to score, but he also knows when it's too much. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to find that balance, especially in today's game. Yeah. Did he? I mean, who was it that he went He went off earlier this year? That was fun to watch. Oh, yeah, he had a 50-point like game? Four, yeah, he scored like 50 points on someone, didn't he? Yeah, I, mean, I can't remember. By the way, it's refreshing to have a big man that can shoot a free throw. Nothing yeah. against Drummond, but <laughs> well, well, Drummond actually did better last the past couple of years. He's yeah, I mean, he's, he's sitting but... at like fifty-two though, isn't he? Like he's just yeah. Last year, last year he was at like sixty-five though. Was he? Yeah, yeah I don't know that. what happened this year, but yeah, I don't know. But I think I think the combination of Griffin and Drummond is it's good at times and it's bad at times. You know, obviously yeah. Griffin. As much as he can spread, face the floor, I think he is most effective around the basket. And Drummond mm-hmm. can't do anything outside of the paint. So yep. there is a log jam, and especially in today's game with the whole pace and space kind of thing, it gets yep. tight. But they do make it work. I think Blake does get bullied by some centers. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes he gets put on bigger centers. Like, in the, like he had no chance when he was guarding Embiid sometimes or when yeah. he was guarding Jokic of the world. And which is kind of surprising because Blake's biggest thing is he's strong and he's and bullies dudes, especially forwards. But like, I don't think he's a true center, and which kind of holds the team back. If he could play center, I would have traded Drummond immediately. But yeah, he really can't. Yeah, so Drummond has to be there. I've uh, been meaning to ask you. You you definitely like um, Casey more than Van Gundy. Yes, I love the personality of Van Gundy, and I love the personality of Casey. But Casey really embraces the new style of game. You saw it last year in Toronto where he was a lot more 3 and D oriented with mm-hmm. Thorosen being the star, but everybody else was three-pointers and layups, kind of that Houston Rockets idea. And yeah. the problem with Stan Van was he was successful in Orlando and other places. So I think he went in Miami for a little bit, but he was successful there and he didn't know that the league changed and he refused to adjust to the league. So he was always, yeah. well, well, you know, my magic team with Jameer Nelson and Hito Turkoglu was good in 2010. So I'm going to build a <laughs> team like that. And, and sometimes he did, but like also at the same time, his teammate, his team was Josh Smith and Monroe and Drummond. Like yeah. that's not the style of Stan Van was. And then his last year was his best chance. And I'm kind of angry that he took us down he took Blake Griffin with us down. Like he's like, I'm not make this trade before I get literally cut from the organization. And yeah. I like the addition now, but like we could have had a young draft pick, like Gilgis Alexander, who's like my favorite rookie. Yeah. Besides Doncic. But Doncic is crazy. Doncic is crazy. I didn't I believe think... you. He is the real deal. You're right. 
Uh, was I? Did I tell you that? Yeah. I well, I I'm always iffy on those those foreign players. I'm like, I don't know what am I supposed to expect. And you told me he's the real deal, and I said I'll believe it when I see it. He's the real yeah. deal. I'm impressed. I heard that. I yeah. Be that guy. <laughs> um, I saw him in Europe, and I think the biggest thing is I think if a player sees passing, if he's a good passer, that's a good indicator of being good at all levels. Because if you can see those passing mm-hmm. lanes and everything, that kind of sets you up to be at least intelligent yeah. in the next league that you play in. Yeah. Uh, I think the one caveat to that might be Ricky Rubio, where he's literally only a passer. <laughs> they called him the Spanish Pete, P- Pistol Pete, and <laughs> Pistol Pete would be turning in his grave if he did that one. <laughs> he's a, hey, he's a, Pistol he's Pete, a heck, of, but... heck of a passer, though. Oh, yeah, he's very, very yeah. good passer. Uh, yeah. Not as flary as he was. He doesn't have the flair that he used to have on his passes, but he's a very smart passer. Yeah. Like, like Pistol Pete could get buckets, too. Pistol Pete is one of the most underrated legends of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard he was really selfish, though. I watched one of like those documentaries, and his teammates kind of hated him because he's like, oh, really, really selfish. Yeah. Well, you know, he averaged 45 a game at LSU. Oh, yeah. His dad was the coach or whatever. Yeah. And I just heard, like, teammates would complain, stuff like that, about dad's coach, kind of stuff like that. But he was a good player. But, I mean, Ricky Rubio is not that. 44 yeah. points a game. Ricky Rubio, Ricky Rubio at his best is like a 12-point a game, 11 assist kind of guy, or mm-hmm. Rondo-esque. Yeah. I have uh, a very, impo- very important question for you. Yeah, wait on me. You, you don't have to uh, do it like ESPN does just to get the headline. <clears throat> is there something going on in Golden State, or are they just in a slump? Um, I've been trying to think about this. I've been watching basketball this year, not as much as I usually did, but I've watched enough. And... I think we've gotten to the point where you got to start worrying that something's going on. I mean, they've been so successful for so long, but all great dynasties must come to an end, you know. I mean, Eve, this is not. I'm not saying this is like when the Lakers had Gary Payton and uh, Carl Malone at the end of their Shaq Kobe era, mm-hmm. but I think the the catalyst in all this is Draymond. Draymond does good and shoots the from the field well, they're good. And when he doesn't, everybody can just literally guard the other three guys that are important, and they become less valuable. So mm-hmm. Steph's working a lot harder to get his buckets. Clay's working a lot harder. KD's getting, working a lot harder. I feel like they've gotten to the point where they just want to simulate the rest of the regular season and play the playoffs. They don't yeah. have the passion that they used to have. And they won. They went to the championship for two years before they got KD, and I think that next, uh, I think that next season would have been like this season, but they got KD and it kind of refreshed the team, and they kind of yeah. had to take a year to get adjusted. And then the next year, this past year that they played, um, they it was like okay, now we've set in, and then this is the third year with basically the exact same roster, and the kind of boredom has set in. In my opinion, I think they look bored. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I, they, they, I, I think they do a little bit. Do you, I mean, it's not it's not a depth issue. I mean, I feel like they've had the same backups, too. Yeah. I mean, when and, you have to pay all these guys, you'd think you'd be down. I mean, Livingston's a pretty above-average player, I'd say. Iguodala's yeah. good. And Bell's better than the, I thought he would be. Yeah, and the bench, the thing with the bench, too, is that they're not needed to be, like, uber-athletic, so they can play for as long as they can play. Yep. Like, Iguodala's not asked to jump off a gym and – Livingston's only have to do his weird little post-ups and, you know, <laughs> these guys on the bench are just asked to play their role. They're not asked to go outside of their role. But yeah. when they go into the game and they're getting disrespected by literally putting, like, a dude like DJ Augustine on them just so that the rest of the team could guard KD, Steph, and Clay, yeah, it creates an issue. Yeah, well, I didn't I, – I was curious what you thought about that. I didn't know if they're – I don't they, know if they're in trouble – but I think you start to figure out I start I think you start thinking about a plan B. This is what I would do. When Boogie comes back, you see how he fits with Clay and KD or not Clay and Steph. If he fits good, let KD walk because he's probably gonna leave. And yeah. then you trade Draymond and then sign Boogie long term. It's an interesting plan. And I, I think I'm curious to see how good he'll be. That's a tough injury to come back from. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think they were saying Dominique Wilkins came back from it and he was good. Uh, Rudy Gay's come back from it and he's been okay, but I think that's also due because Rudy Gay's a little older now. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Wesley Matthews was also one of the more recent players, and he came back and he was okay. He's still marginal, but like they were expecting him to be a little more. Brandon Jennings had his career basically ruined by that injury. Uh, you will forever playing, be mourning. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, if anyone doesn't know, listening to the podcast, Brandon Jennings is like my spirit animal. <laughs> uh, he's playing apparently this year. He's playing in for CSKA Moscow in Russia. Oh, wow. So him and Putin can hang out. My two spirit animals. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not. not I'm not gonna support Putin. I'm not gonna uh, get that. What about the Nuggets? Are they sustainable? Yeah, like the Raptors. What do you think? They're. Go- I think they're going to be like the Raptors. I think they're going to be the exact okay. same thing as the Raptors last year. They have a really good regular season team, but Jokic, as their primary best player, doesn't score enough, in my opinion. I yeah. think because it's so spread out, you just got to have stars. And you could point to the LA Clippers this year are doing good, and they don't have like a single star. I guess you could call to buy. They're solid though, but they're solid. Yeah. And you're like. Does that pan out in the playoffs? And that's what happens to the Raptors the past couple of years. No one. They had DeRozan, who was, like, I'd say a Tier 2, Tier 3 superstar. Yep. But the rest of their team was just solid. They get in the playoffs, some of those guys start to disappear. Guess who's not going to disappear in the playoffs? LeBron. Kobe. Yeah. Kind of guys yeah. like that. Like, the, yeah. they're just, like, these great players that are superstars. So you yeah. need at least one or two surrounded by a cast of solid players to be even in contention. Yeah, they say three, this... you, they say you need three All Star caliber players right now to make it to the finals, which is I mean pretty close. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I am the same wavelength. What should I think this Raptors team is any different? You yes, trade Kawhi this for team DeRozan, is a whole new beast. This is Kawhi Leonard is unbelievable. Kawhi Leonard has given them a new depth as a superstar because. He demands so much more attention than DeRozan did. DeRozan was like a passive superstar where not that he passed the ball a lot, but he was just there putting up points, empty stats. Now this is more of a where situation where you have to pay attention to Kawhi or else you're in trouble. Yeah. And to go along with that, they have the addition of Pascal Siakam really stepping up this year. This dude's mm-hmm. like a Serge Ibaka, basically. And then now Serge Ibaka is becoming their center and stretching it out. And I think this is a different team. They got a new coach. I haven't really seen what the, the coach has done for the team, but um, I'm all for this Raptors team right now. I think are they? Your, I think they're my favorites in the East. That's what I was going to ask you. No I one's, think no one's holding you accountable, but are they your favorites to come out of the East? Yeah, I think right now what it's looking like. This is my prediction. It's going to go one Toronto, two Philly, three Boston, four. I guess Indiana. I can't think. Of, I, I can't remember if there's any other teams. Like I always blank whenever I do. Yeah, the 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 Bucks are playing. Oh, like, the Bucks! Crazy good I this forgot, year. I forgot about the Bucks. I, I guess that I always forget. I, I let me take that back. Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston. Boston needs to make a trade. They have too much. They have too many good players. You have at the forward I, position, Mark Morris, and then you have Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford. What are you supposed to do? You literally have a log jam. I yeah I I look at Boston and I look at Philadelphia and I don't how are how are these I just don't understand how one of these two teams doesn't make it out of these I mean there's so much talent there I mean Toronto yeah. you're right I mean you you have but like you said you need superstars to be sustainable yeah Milwaukee's true. got Giannis Toronto's got uh, Kawhi I mean Philly's got Embiid they got Simmons Butler. you know what I mean Butler now yeah Butler's been unbelievable for them Boston's got Hayward they got Kyrie. They got – and their benches was unbelievable last year. I don't know. It's just yeah. crazy to me. I'm looking at the standings now, and it looks like Toronto is up a game on Milwaukee, or they're tied. I can't tell. Um, I think they're half a game up. Half a game up. They're 26-11. The Bucks are 25-10. and 10. Um, I, think, I think Giannis might have some playoff issues. I don't think they're going to be as good in the playoffs. Uh, I, think, I think the X factor for that team is Middleton. Middleton's their best, like, pure scorer. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Giannis is going to put up the most points. Like, in terms of can get a bucket, that's going to be Middleton. Like, oh, we, like a mid-range fadeaway shot, that's a Middleton, or a three, it's Middleton. Giannis is like Simmons, but more dominant with the scoring yeah. at the rim. Yeah. So, uh, just when playoffs come around, I mean, the Toronto team, I've seen it's Kawhi's better than DeRozan, I think. Obviously, but yeah. then you got Lowry Green's a bit of a step up, but you it's just it seems like 
talent wins out in the playoffs. Yeah, it, and and it, the thing is, seven game series, the best yep. the best that comes out of your team and the worst comes out of your team. So yep. you're not like that's the thing with the NCAA basketball tournament. You could pull out a weakness in one game and win an upset. But mm-hmm. if any team that lost, if Virginia would have played UMBC in a in a seven game series, Virginia would have won four to one. Oh, after yeah. losing that first game. Oh yeah. Like you just, it's just a different animal, and and it has it has their advantages and their disadvantages. In college, it's a little cool because in the NBA, no one wants to see a finals of like the Nets versus the Kings. Exactly. But in college, it's kind of like a Cinderella cool story that's like an eight seed gets in. Let's be and, honest. No one would care about college basketball if they didn't have the tournament. Like no. The, like the way it's structured. So. No. It's March Madness, which is exactly. a great term, which hopefully I don't get <laughs> <laughs> copyrighted for. I have a rough history of getting copyrighted, especially on YouTube. Oh, gosh. Do you know I got copyrighted on YouTube by Big Baller Brand? No, you did not. I did not yeah, get, I played I one of Lonzo Ball songs. And I got copyrighted on one of my live streams. Oh, wow. And I it was like, that. we are now going to put ads on your video and take the revenue from the ads. And I'm like, ouch. Wow. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I just, they're like, you can take the song out or we can keep the ads. And I'm like, uh, I'll just keep the song in. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I like, I'll play it. All right. Um, so I think that'll probably wrap it up. But this is probably, this is already an hour long, which is pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Oh, this has been awesome, Cooper. Let's. Do you have an outlandish claim you want to make? We, we. It's kind of a tradition, I guess, that we just started. An outlandish claim that I want to. Yeah. Make. So like, like last last week, my outlandish claim was that Blake Griffin is going to be uh, an MVP candidate at the end of the year. This this is my outlandish claim. All right, I'm ready for it. With the with the addition of Matt Kemp. And Yasiel Puig. Oh, jeez. Don't even go there. The Cincinnati Reds will win the NL Central. The NL Central? Do you realize that the Goldsmith just went to the freaking St. Louis Cardinals? When I say don't quote me on it, literally don't quote me on it because okay. there's no chance it's happening. But it's an outlandish take. And That's you know fair what? enough. That's fair enough. Jude tried telling me on, on our first podcast that Pittsburgh is going to make the Final Four for basketball. And... um. To say that I wanted to burst out laughing at him <laughs> has not been good since DeWan Blair. The only reason I know that is because I remember his knees literally not being able to function anymore. <laughs> um, I guess that's probably going to end it, Cooper. Um, thanks for being on the pod. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, hope you had a happy holidays. Uh, yeah. And uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Anytime we need another filler week, we'll definitely call you, or maybe we'll incorporate you into the main podcast sometime if uh, one of our luxury one of our luxury crewmen cannot make it, <laughs> such as Kieran slash Rom, or Maxwell, or Jew, or Patrick, or I think that's it. Hopefully, I didn't forget someone. I think that's the big five. Yeah, the Fab Five. The Fab Five. We went through through many names, and I was like, I came up with one. I was like five pods or five beans or pods in a podcast or something. I can't even remember what I said. (laughs) No, five peas in the podcast. That's what it was. Oh, that's good. Actually, that's good. And then I look on I look on Google, and there's like two peas in the podcast, uh, a pea in a podcast, peas in the podcast, and there's like (laughs) six different variations of it. And I'm like, oh, dang it. Another time you got to explain to me where the name came from. I know we're oh, short on okay. time here. No, you know what? We'll do this real quick. I literally have no clue. I'm in this chat. <laughs> I'm in this. I'm in a Twitter group chat with literally just meme lords of Kieran and Jude and Maxwell and occasionally Patrick. And and they go, let's pick a name. I'm like, well, we got to pick a name. We're doing the recording tomorrow. And he's like, okay, how about Michelle and Mrs. Obama? It's been an honor. I'm like, what? And they all start cracking up. And they sent this meme in of some random guy doing a salute. And then, like, the meme text that says, Mrs. Obama, it's been an honor. And I literally didn't know what to say. And then we did the poll, and the five Ps in the podcast won. So I was like, well, we can't do that one. I'm like, what's next? And, of course, Mrs. Obama wins. So (laughs) I don't even know what it means. And it's, like, and this is the podcast that we do. So I don't even understand it. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. But I'm also not up to date on my memes so no neither am i i'm outdated i'm old thank you yeah. guys for listening it's been an honor to have you cooper uh hope you have a happy new year and everything all goes well uh toledo sucks bgsu <laughs> um you know what it is and that's about all the time we have
Cooper, thank you for being on here. Any last Thanks words? Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll catch you next time when we have the full gang for the full Moiba podcast. Thank you for watching. I guess listening, not watching. <laughs>